All right, our lesson comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 19, 37 through 40. Browning pretty much covered the whole sermon. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, she pretty much covered all things, but just because we know some of us are slow in learning, I'll repeat a lot of it. Our speaker this morning, great guy. Uh, I've talked to him, I've talked to him before, nice guy. He said something, though, in his thing that I wrote down for today. I had to run on the page before because my note page is already full. When he said he drove by the church, what did he, did everybody remember when he said he, when he was driving around the area before he come to Christ? He said, I drive by the church and I didn't know something. Does anybody remember what he said? Man, he said, I did not know the joy and the peace that was going on inside those churches. That's great. Awesome, is it not? It's one of the saddest statements I have heard recently. Why is the joy and the peace only happen inside the church? Why did he experience the joy and the peace on the outside of the church? Why didn't he enjoy, enjoy, experience the joy and the peace and the love of God wherever he went that made him think, man, where do you go to get filled up? Where do you go to get fired up? Where are you doing that you are so happy, go lucky, and that God, what's your answer? And our answer is that we're going to praise God everywhere we go. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this story. That's what Jesus is talking about. Before we get to the, the scripture, the story about the stones, the stories about the stones today, let us see where we're at. This is important to understand this week. And I have preached all the Gospels in six years, all the things that are going on. So I'm going to summarize the Gospel for us real quick. Where does Luke have us? Matthew and Mark and John have it a little bit different, but where does Luke have us? Uh, we start off in Luke chapter 19. Uh, Jesus, he's coming, he's coming to Jerusalem, he's passing through Jericho, and this is the story about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? He got climbed upon the sycamore tree, remember that song there? Zacchaeus comes, and at the end of that story, Jesus goes, to, the Pharisees are grumbling because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Uh, the Pharisees are grumbling and saying, uh, you know, he's eating with sinners again, that the whole story's still going on there. And Jesus brings a point, because this point is necessary for the end story. He brings his point home. He said, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your home today. And there's the main thrust of that story that's going to come to us as Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, because salvation come to the house of God that was built for God on that day. And so then we go on. The next one is uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Uh, Matthew calls it talents. They call it minyas here, but we're going to use the word talent. This is where one was given ten, one was given five, one was given one. The guy, uh, uh, the guy gets, five, I guess, excuse me, five, he, he gains ten, two, four. The guy with one, and this one it says he put it in his handkerchief and did nothing with it. And Jesus on that says, I have given you this talent in life. And because you did not use it for my glory, not only what I gave you will I take from you. I will take everything from you and throw you in to the everlasting fire. Again, now two stories. One is salvation has come for those who recognize Jesus. One is salvation who recognize Jesus and do nothing with what he gave you. And there he goes. And so again, the stories are building here. 
Uh, the next one, this is where we get to uh, now the triumphal entry. This is where triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, however you want to look about it. And one of the things that we used to think that, man, there's Jesus, he's headed to Jerusalem, he's right there at the, the city, and uh, Brian was right, Jerusalem's on a hill, he's going to go up this path to this hill, he's going to enter a gate. And we seem to think, we seem to think this is just a coincidental story. It's not. Two reasons. Number one, this is the day that the chief priest, at the same time, the people are gathered, it's Passover, it's Passover week. And this week, even today in Jerusalem, it's a very popular week. And the Jews, it still goes. The Jews, the real Orthodox Jews, still celebrate the Seder meal. Think Seder meal much like a Thanksgiving meal, with, with a lot of the traditions, just the Jewish traditions put in with it. For us, it's like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas meal with family and friends. The chief priest has got the lamb that's going to be slain for the people of Israel, as it happened in Exodus. God said, continue to do this. And so the, the way this happens is, the chief priest is coming, and he's actually coming down the other side, kind of coming down a hill. He's holding the lamb. The people gather around, and they take palm branches, and they take their coats, and they throw them on the ground, and they start singing the song that we hear there. Uh, uh, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and, and uh, peace is the glory and higher. Uh, Matthew has Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. All those psalms are really the Hallel. The Hallel is the Psalms 113 through 118, and that's the Hallel. And the Hallel stands for gratitude for God's past acts of salvation and future redemption of Israel. And we can put that in just a little different. God's, we should be singing the Hallel because it's the gratitude with God's past acts of salvation in our life and his future redemption of our life. Is he not redeeming you day by day by day? How often are we to work out our salvation? I asked this guy another I asked this guy yesterday, we got talking about salvation. And I asked him, I said, How often are you supposed to work out your salvation? He's not working out once, I accepted Christ. No. The Bible says work out your salvation daily. Daily. We're assured of salvation, but you work it out daily. And all that we do. So the Hallel, they're singing this Hallel, they're singing this song. Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus is coming down, these people see Jesus, and they swap from what the priests are doing, which they've done for years and years and years, and they come to Jesus, and they start throwing the coats and stuff down. The meaning of the coats and the, and the palm branches are down is the meaning of a king's greeting. We see this in 2 Kings, for those taking notes, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13. We see this as king's greeting. They didn't know what kind of king they were getting. We, uh, we see that in Scripture. We, they don't understand the kind of king they were getting. And so this is all the things going on. God had been preparing the Jews for over 2,000 years for this thing. He had written the songs that they would be singing the day that Jesus would come into the temple 2,000 years ago. Nothing is a coincidence by God. The Jews don't even believe in coincidence. God has prepared every moment of every step in a man. His salvation was coming to the house. Many will reject it. And, and so he's going along there. And so let us read our scripture from there out. We've got to cover all the technical points. 
I know uh, there, so we start off where we at. I forgot where we're starting off at. Luke 37, there we go. Then Jesus was now drawing near the descendants of the Mount Olives. The whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, with all, mighty, with all the mighty works they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he draws near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, Oh, that's it. This is the word of God for the people of God. There we go. There we are. And so here we go along. So the whole story to me is about the stones. When you read the commentaries, you study this, there's no other meaning than the stones and the stones that are laying right there. The stony, the stony place. The stones right right there. Know this one thing. God will be praised. If you refuse, God will be praised. He will use every act of nature to praise him. It's not dependent upon you. But he wishes that you would praise him. And so we're going out there. Uh, we're going out there. So the question is, here's the whole question. We get down to the short part of the, part of the story. Are you praising God? Back to the speaker this morning. Back to the speaker this morning. I know how that speaker felt. As you know, I come to Christ as a kid, but then there was those days, you know, I've had gaps in my life where I wasn't following Christ. Anybody got amen on that one? Everybody else going on with that one? And, uh, and so go along. And what always amazes me, when I come back to the church, I would remember. I would remember. Man, I, when I was a kid, I, my neighbor would drag me to church. My neighbor friend up the street, and he, that boy would drag me to church a lot. Because we didn't go to church a whole lot as a kid. But man, some of my best times I've had is in the church. Got in the Air Force. Uh, the first few years, you know, I was, my dad was kind of a strict dad, mom and dad, back in the 70s and early 80s. That's the way it was. Uh, they knew where you were at. They didn't have cell phones, GPSs, but they knew where you were at because everybody in town knew you. And you get a whooping on the one side of town, you're going to get another whooping when you got home because that news traveled that fast. And so we, we, go, we go along there. Uh, you know, I come into Air Force in the early 80s. Man, you know... No mom, dad, and the commander encouraged drinking. And, and so I did that for a couple of years. I did that for a couple of years. And then I remember, man, I, I tired of hangovers. I was tired of headaches and all this other stuff. And I remember coming passing by, and I got to know this chaplain, a young chaplain. And he invited me to a Bible study. I went to that Bible study. And man, I just had the best time. Why had I neglected it? And of course, I got many other gaps where I've done the same thing over and over throughout the years. That story repeats itself many times. But now I'm thinking, now as I'm more mature, the more I think about my own life, when people see me, and not you people, people that don't know me, do they see a godly man? Not my wife, because she, you know, she's just praising God every day to her lovely husband. I'll just kneel on the altar now. <laughs> right. But, you know, not the kids, not the church members, not even the folks in Hall. the people who pretty much know me in Hall. When I'm at Walmart, when I'm at the Harvey's or just out and about, what do they see when they see me? 
Did they see the hands and feet of Jesus? They didn't see another guy, another crazy guy out there. Are we praising God in all that we do and all that we have? Somehow we get into this notion of life, and we've been taught this. I remember my dad always talked about, uh, you never discuss church or religion outside of church. You never discuss money. You never ask how much somebody pay, gets paid or anything else. You never discuss money. You know, there, there was this taboo of lists of things you didn't discuss. The Jewish culture is a whole different thing. Jewish people live, you know, they're, they're the real strict Jews because the Word of God says have the Word of God close to your heart, have the Word of God on your head. And that's why when you sometimes see Israel, you see this guy, and it looks funny as to me, he has a box on his head. He has a box on his arm right here. And in that box, he has scriptures written for that day. So it's the scriptures are always upon his head. The scriptures are always on his arm. On their houses, you'll see this little tube on the doorways. And there's a scripture inside that, in that tube that you can pull out and you can read. It's a blessing for entering the house. And there's one on the outside on the door going out. It's a blessing before you go outside the house. You know, they, they say the blessing before the meal. They say the blessing during the meal. They say the blessing after the meal. You know, all that they're doing, they're blessing God, they're blessing God, they're blessing God. And, and their religion, it's not their religion, their relationship with God. Their relationship with God is such a, it is an outward appearance on everything they do. You cannot, you cannot, if you're doing this, I will question your salvation. You cannot separate church and state. How you live and how you believe will matter when you vote. Too many of us want to vote Republican or Democrat. Or we want to vote what's best for our pocketbook. Or we want to vote because we like the person something else. Are you voting in such a way that it brings honor and glory to God? Are you involved in politics in a way that it brings honor and glory to God? When we tithe the church, I had this discussion the other day with a church, some members of a church. There's three types of people in the church. There is, we've got to get it right now, there's a giver, a tither, and a gifter. There's, there's three different things. Not everybody can be a tither. A tither is somebody who gives 10% of their whole income to God. That's a tither. A tithe is 10%. There is a giver. A lot of people are on fixed income. So don't ever look at a giver a bad person. As somebody gives to the church, uh, don't ever look at that, that down, because I have met many people, I have met rich people because of circumstances, they can only give a little bit. Uh, so don't ever look back, and people on fixed incomes, uh, sometimes you've got grandparents or somebody raising other people's children, they're kind of on a fixed income, they can't give a whole lot, but they're giving, what they're giving is glorifying God. So don't, don't get me so I'm thinking things are bad here. And the gifter is somebody that has 10% and over. But the question is, with the money that God has allotted for you, because the money comes from God, are you, giving back, are you giving him some of it back? How much? Is it so much that it's a praise to God? So much where you sit there and say, I know I'm going to be dependent on God this week? I'm not, I'm not trying to get into the money situation uh, in your life. I don't know what your life is. I'm not going to hold on to that. But is, are you doing what your money that brings honor and glory to God. When you're at your work, you know who gave you that job? God. God gave you the talent to do that job. God gave you the job. God is involved with that job. Are you praising God in your workplace? 
Or do you go to work, for those who work, do you go to work and grumble? Oh, man, you know, I hate the boss, I hate this, I hate that. Or do you go with this attitude? Maybe God has you in a bad job or something to praise him in that job, to bring light to darkness. Better leave. One or the other, if the job's that bad, just leave. Uh, God will use, well, every decision we make, every decision we make needs to be wrapped around God. And that is the hardest thing. Somebody talked about, you know, some of the hard things they've done in life. Number one, the hardest thing I did, I thought marriage, you know, I got married a little late in life with kids and everything. I thought marriage was the hardest thing I ever did. Of course, being married to Tammy is so easy. And to be married to me is just even more of a blessing. But so we, we know that. So, you know, at least that makes it easier. Uh, man, I can feel the side of my face melting right now. Uh, but you know what really is a hard job? Is walking the walk. I'm telling you, because there's some crazy people out there who don't deserve it, in my eyes. But I'll sit there, and I, I know I've shared this story before with other people. Some, somebody's doing something stupid and crazy, and my thought, first thought is, will they ever step foot in the church that I'm pastoring? Because I've had this happen before, where I've done something stupid and said something stupid, and the person shows up at the church. God has a sense of humor. But so, going along, my first thought is, well, that person, before I say or do what I'm about to do, will they ever step foot in my church? The real question, which should be asked, before I say or do whatever I'm about to say or do, will they come to know Jesus because of it? That's really the question. The world's full of crazy people, crazy people. But what does the world need now? The world needs redemption. There's never been a time, other than the time probably Jesus was living in, that the world needs the Savior. And who is the Savior? Jesus. Where is Jesus today? Of course, somebody's going to say, give me a text glance right hand of the Father, which is true. But is Jesus also not right here, right now? Are we not the hands and the feet of Jesus? Are we not the eyes? Are we not the heart of Jesus? So maybe before we say something crazy and stupid to somebody, so I'm just talking to myself now. Before we say something crazy and stupid to somebody, we might get to ask ourselves, will they see Jesus in me when I speak? Because it might be best to say nothing and just walk on. But will they see Jesus in me? When I the rest of this week, will people see me praising God? You know, the Jews will sit there many times, stand on the rooftop and pray. They blow their, their chauffeurs. What are you going to do this week that people will know Jesus? How are you going to cry out for God? They cry out in a good way that God is the king. God is the Lord of my life. How are you going to do it? The power for us to do it comes. It comes when Jesus was at that meal. He's sitting with 12 of the sinners. He's sitting with the man right next to him on his right hand side, the place of honor that's going to betray him. How many times has God put you in the place of honor and you betray him? But do you know what Jesus says? I mean, this is the craziest thing. This is my body, which is broken.
it's the cup, the cup of grace. We'll hear about this cup Tuesday. He says, this is of my blood which is poured out for you. He said, I know you, I put you in the place of honor, and you betrayed me. But yet I still forgive you of your sin. Is there any better love than the love of God? Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this bread to be your body. Lord, we ask you to bless the juice to be your blood. To remind us that you have placed all of us in the place of honor, and yet we have fallen short of your glory, and we have sinned. We come today as sinners being saved by your grace to receive your grace into our bodies. And Lord, we ask you this in the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If Jeff and... Uh, Harold will come up. And if Tammy...